It's the final countdown for your early bird ticket for our retail media conference remade. Our early bird discount expires in just a week, so head to remade.net.au to secure your ticket now. Start the week with Unmade, setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, lobbying season in Canberra. Earnings season in the media boardrooms. And killing season at Mumbrella. Unmade. It's Monday, August 7th. I'm Abe Beauty, and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. Where do we find you? You find me this morning in my uh, studio in, in Tasmania after a bit of a cold snap and a cold weekend down here. Whereabouts are you in the world this morning? Do you know, I'm currently I'm currently up the coast in New South Wales. I'm uh, not far from Morissette, which is uh, at Lake Macquarie, where I'm I'm in, I, I'm in a, a burrowed um, soundproof booth. Uh, before uh, heading back down to uh, Sydney uh, very, very shortly for uh, another week of kind of meetings and events and stuff in in Sydney, including the um, the Google News Initiative Summit a bit later in the week. I can see an electric guitar over your shoulder, so I'm wondering if you're going to pull it down and bust out a, a shredding riff this morning to wake us all up. Do you know, I think about the age of 17, I was able to bumble my way through the opening chords of Smoke on the Water, and I didn't get much further than that, so I I recommend not. So you've been in New South Wales for a few days now, you're at Advertising Week, how did you find it? Yeah, good. Um, One of the fascinating things about all of these industry events is, even now, even after we've been back for a while, people are appreciating the networking element so much you know just that happenstance of bumping into people um you're you're sort of it feels like they're they're still not taking it for granted so for me that i think was probably the best thing about um advertising week was just the the the, the people i was meeting the people i was bumping into and as you would have seen in saturday i did write about a couple of the sessions i covered including you know i think one of the ones where people perhaps had the most to say and were were perhaps the most sort of free in saying it was one of some of the kind of media agency bosses. So, you know, as I wrote about in Best of the Week, uh, Mark Code, who's boss of IPG Media Brands, was just making the point that across the industry at the moment, there's this expectation for companies to keep on delivering the sort of margins they were in the downturn although they were carrying big vacancies then just because they couldn't fill the slots. So staff were so stretched. And there's this suggestion that this is what management are still looking for even now. So that's sort of creating some um, uh, some expectations. Um, as, 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 as Mark Coe put it, it's almost like our stakeholders are drunk on the margins and the revenue we were able to drive when we weren't able to spend enough money on staff moving around. Now, um, he wasn't sort of, I think necessarily talking specifically about his own bosses rather than we, the industry as a whole. Um, but it does sound like this is a really common experience at the moment that particularly with US owned companies or companies which are on the, uh, uh, are, are, are any sort of stock exchange, people are still expecting those same margins um, in a way that uh, probably isn't that realistic going forward. 
no, that's the thing. And then uh, and that same s- session, the other one I talked about in Best of the Week was Amy Buchanan, uh, boss of Group M, which is WPP's media buying arm. And she just made the point that the world is really changing for television. You know, the the audiences they're delivering are 20% down, which if you're an advertiser, you can't just make the same plan as last year and start at the point where your audiences are going to be 20% down. So that's going to be creating some really big changes. Interesting to see also kind of your commentary around uh, CMO Melissa Hopkins at Seven and, and James Warburton, how they kind of without prompting, talked about the fact that TV is, doesn't have a problem and you suggested, well, the fact that you're talking about that it doesn't might suggest that it does. Yeah, that's right. It certainly feels like it's something um, some, something that's top of mind and, and and Mel Hopkins and her boss, James Warburton, have again been, been in the trade press this morning talking about it some more. And, and of course, you know, they're, they're absolutely right that TV is hugely powerful. It's still got great reach. Uh, it's coming through in the digital sphere as well, of course. But at the same time, those broadcast audiences, which are rightfully or have been rightfully at the heart of schedules, have fallen away, you know, and that's the absolute fact. So I, I can't I can't blame them for arguing the game, but the... The the danger is of television making the same mistake that newspapers did, where you were constantly seem to be in denial of what was going on, rather than looking towards the future. Um, in that same way that newspapers reinvented themselves, you know, they went from uh, kind of mass print products to subscription led digital products. TV is doing the similar reinvention. But if it spends too much time sounding like it's in denial, then people do miss the story about what comes next. Let's bring in Start the Week's producer, Sergio Alzadi, at this point. Morning, Sergio. It was your first advertising week. How did you find it? <laughs> it was. And, well, if there's one thing that really irritates me, it's inauthenticity. And that was, honestly, on full display at advertising week. I maybe naively went there expecting genuine learning opportunities, only to find it was much more of a public relations exercise for the speakers and their businesses. And uh, there was a high correlation between the sponsor logos and the companies who were speaking. I just, I kind of remember feeling this disenchanted at any conference. It was just like a glut of navel gazing, hollow buzzword bingo, I think is a deft way of putting it. you know, when asked about pretty confronting and consequential things like AI or even declining TV ratings, most of the speakers had a real tendency to descend into really oblique, Pollyanna-ish sort of talk, you know. Everyone's, everyone's excited about everything. Everyone's optimistic about everything. And I mean, I feel like the event itself is also pretty poorly organised in my estimation. For a lunchtime talk, you know, you had to stand around on a 30-minute queue as if you're waiting in a breadline in communist Russia. <laughs> Tim, I mean, what were your thoughts? Did you kind of see that level of inauthenticity? What, what's your take? I'm, I, I'm going to push back on some of that. Firstly, <laughs> hey, look, one, one of my bugbears is, uh, you know, and I speak as one, is uh, privileged journal- journalists <laughs> complaining about people trying to get into an event and comparing it to the likes of communist Russia because they have to queue up to go to 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 go in. So I think we do have to be a bit careful about our privilege at times on these things. Um, and also, look, I you know maybe this is just you know 
because I, I have been an event organiser, I I actually thought that the organisational levels were were, were, were good, um, particularly considering the numbers who were coming through all at once. So the only time I saw a really big queue was um, uh, when I was arriving. And of course, you know, you suddenly have couple of thousand people arrive all at once to pick up their tickets and no one plans ahead and everyone arrives at the last minute and I count myself on that list then of course there's you know there there is a bit of a queue but I I think where where I I do have pause hearing what Sedge has just said is I wonder if someone who sits in the audience, and you know, as, I, as I say, I've, I've, I've talked about the interesting things that Mark Code said that Amy Buchanan said but one of the things was they were some of the exceptions to the rule, particularly when you get the people from the global platforms who their entire job is to not say anything interesting that their bosses could read about in America and they could get in trouble for saying, then, um, then you know, there, there is this incentive to only talk the positives, only talk the product, not have the, you know, the kind of difficult conversations. And I, and I kind of, I sort of understand how you get there really because you know for instance you know i i i wrote about um mark code's comments i saw there in mi3 as well now although i've you know i've tried to be very clear when i'm talking about them i think he's talking about the industry as a whole at the same time you could see how his bosses might raise an eyebrow at those comments so the danger is if someone always says something interesting on stage um and they're the exception then that's the one the person is putting their head above the parapet. So I, I, I don't think it's a problem necessarily of Advertising Week. I think it is a problem for industry conferences generally, but particularly when, as Sedja says, so many of these events in our industry now feature the people on stage being the people who are also paying the bills. And look, I mean, there's something about authenticity. I, I, to be honest, I noticed that my first industry conference when I attended... Uh, uh, Humane, uh, the conference that uh, Unmade put on, looking at AI intersecting with media and marketing, there was some great content, but there was also some very polished, slick productions from some big brands, kind of said a lot, but nothing at the same time. And this is not to finger point, but I thought, I kind of with said you're in that, like, I want to hear what are you actually doing with AI? What does it mean? What's the good, the bad, the ugly? Don't just paint this rosy How many picture. people are you firing? Yeah, well, I mean... I- <laughs> I mean, I was more interested in what what actually is a th- you know look. I mean, I'm not an expert at all, but I felt like you can hear a lot of words, but not hear much. I guess that was and probably what you're saying, Sedja, as well. You can kind of hear all these words, but really, let's have some authenticity. Is that kind of a summary? Absolutely, nail on the head. Yeah, and I think maybe the other thing is when you go to a closed door event. You know, we back in my last few months with Umbrella. Um, we did a, a retreat up in Tasmania, which you, you you came along to, Abe, and that was behind closed doors and everything was off the record. And um, there was a far bigger degree of honesty. So, so I suppose that's the other thing is sometimes these conversations are just being taken place in some form of a Chatham House rule where it's uh, not for reporting. Next, the TV bosses head for a Canberra showdown. Unmade. Australia's free-to-air TV execs are heading to Canberra this week. That's in both the Australian and the SMH. Tim, what are they lobbying for and why? Yeah, so this one, as you say, so the Sydney Morning Herald has the headline, Smart TV Showdown on Cards as Networks Fine-Tune 
pitch to Canberra. And similarly, we have uh, the Australians business section TV bosses head to Canberra as lobbying efforts heat up. So um, we have James Warburton, boss of Seven West Media. We have Mike Sneesby, boss of Nine. And then certainly in the Australian, they don't say who's coming from Network 10, Paramount, uh, which are owned by um, Paramount, but senior executives from Paramount as well. So the the, the conversations are with um, the, the, the government and communications minister, Michelle Rowland, about the next round of um, uh, changes to the kind of the the, the the media regulations and laws and a, a central point of contention has been the regulation of that front page of TVs, how we find shows, local shows or, you know, which streaming service we drop into. And as is as is their want, the free-to-air networks are asking for special treatment when it comes to how they're, uh, how they're fed. I don't know about regulating about what is on the front page of my smart TV. Are they dreaming? I mean, honestly. Look, I, I, I guess the, the argument they're making is they invest a lot in local content, which deserves to be protected and found, um, which is the argument they've always made very successfully over the years. Um, but in the end, it just becomes the question with this lobbying is, where does the consumer get a voice? Where do they get a vote? Because maybe that's not what they want to find and not what they want to see. And this time around, there's more than one lobbying machine at work. Yeah, that's right. There's the Consumer Electronics Suppliers Association, which I presume is pronounced CESA, spelled C-E-S-A. Um, and what, what what's interesting about that is that... Um, it's an all, it, you know, it, it's almost lobbying from the opposite. So this is, you know, the, these are your Samsungs and your Sonys and presumably your LGs, um, the, the 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 people who actually have those uh, the control of the smart TVs, and of course they also have increasingly their own advertising platforms as well, which is one reason for the battleground because, you know, it's it's in their interests that if they're selling ads. They want those to be the ones that reach the consumers first. So we are seeing um, uh, some lobbying in more than one direction. But, yeah, my hope is um, perhaps somebody thinks about the poor old consumer as well. Next, what to look out for from earnings season. Unmade. Earnings season is here. We've got News Court reporting this Friday. Tim, what are the trends we're expecting to see? Yeah, as you say, Thursday night, American time, Friday morning um, here in Australia, we'll hear about News Corps results. Those will be both for the fourth quarter of the financial year, and which obviously makes it the full year results as well. Now, I I must admit, I I really like the News Corps results because there's, although they they don't go into granular detail about Australia because, you know, we're we're part of a bigger picture, because News Corp are quite powerful in um, the US and the UK as well, so so they, they, they don't have to go into as much detail. But where you find out a lot is how they're doing on streaming, because they break down subscribers for each of those platforms, along with sort of, you know, seeing how they're going on retaining or not retaining their broadcast um, Foxtel subscribers. You also get the pictures of how news is travelling, and particularly 
new subscriptions. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I'd expect to see the, the, the graph of number of subscribers still going up and the graph of advertising across news still going down has been the long trend. Um, and then the other thing which, which comes out in the annual numbers is an update on debt levels, which is always quite relevant for News Corp, particularly as it thinks about um, potentially floating Foxtel somewhere down the track. At the moment, News Corp owns two-thirds and Telstra the other one-third. So the level of, 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 of debt, both for News Corp itself, but also specifically to Foxtel, becomes quite relevant. So we'll get our sort of annual update on that. So, so yeah, there's going to be there's going to be a lot in Friday's reporting. So I will be uh, I, I will be um, ready with anticipation on that. And also, I suppose my other favourite things about these is is for some reason um, Robert Thompson, the boss of News Corp globally out of the US, he loves his alliterations. So I'll be counting just how many alliterations he manages to squeeze in this week. And could you give us a very quick summary, 7 West, 9 ARN, SCA, like a one-sentence summary of each? Yeah, they're, they're all coming, which is your way of saying that we're running too long, isn't it, for the, uh, for the podcast. Yeah, they're all retur- reporting. It's over the next two to three weeks, the News Corp first out of the box, so some of these will be a bit further out. Seven West Media is the one I'm watching probably with the most interest, just because as much as, hey, we were talking about it earlier, the fact that Mel Hopkins and um, Kurt Burnett and now James Warburton are all coming out talking their prospects up so much. Maybe this is human nature, but I find myself thinking, wow, things are going to be really bad in this announcement if they have to kind of talk things up. But the, the challenge for Seven is... They're broadly a traditional outfit. You know, they own newspapers out west. They don't yet have a paid streaming service. So I I just wonder um, what they'll be able to say about their prospects. So that's the one I'm looking out for there. Whereas Nine are a very different beast, really, in terms of their offering. Yeah, that's right. Nine obviously own Stan, so that um, you know that gives them a foot in streaming. Although that said, I think this might be the time they have to admit that their number of um, paying subscribers has peaked, maybe even begun to fall, even if they've increased revenues overall by putting the price up. So we'll have to see about that. And also the other thing is whether they begin to say something about the outlook for for their publishing revenues as that Facebook money from the news media bargaining code goes away. And then um, moving fast on to audio, ARN and SCA. Um, I wonder whether SCA, whether this will be the the quarter where they announce that Listener, their streaming platform, has moved into profitability. Um, that will be potentially a piece of good news for them to give the market Um and a final gift from outgoing um, CEO or now gone CEO Grant Blackley, if that's what happens. Next, a setback for News Corp. Unmade. Tim, next we turn to the AFR. They report that News Corp has taken the axe to a big project. Tim, what was Vita? Yeah, so Vita and the the headline is worth showing and interesting just because um, because of uh, 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 of who it kind of names. So the headline is News Corp kills major Accenture advised advertising platform project, which is quite unusual because you wouldn't necessarily say who the advisors is now. 
obviously we are at the point where since the PwC scandal it kind of is a little bit open season on all of the uh, on on all of the consultancies but this was a um, project which was apparently created with consultants from Accenture um, in development for three years and had a lot of people involved at various points um, and it was about helping smaller um, brands, um, you know, local brands, tap into news corp platforms and advertise across all platforms. So it, it was intended as a bit of a competitor to the platforms, to to, to Facebook and to Google. Um, now, the thing that's frustrating about this one from the outside, and apparently there have been a number of redundancies, is I can't tell from here whether it was a good strategy, badly executed, or it was just the wrong strategy. I must admit, I... I was quite interested. I do remember, you know, Nine doing similar, although they don't make as much noise about it. And I can never remember which one's Galaxy and which one's Voyager, but one of those, one of those two. Um, but um, but yeah, it, it it certainly feels like some sort of retreat there. Um, as I say, this is broken in the AFR this morning, so I don't fully have my head around it. But but yeah, that that. That does feel like a bit of a setback for News Corp. Next, an unexpected change at Mumbrella. Unmade. Tim, some inside baseball on the AFR this morning. As they put it, media news publication Mumbrella has now churned through three editors inside a year. New editor Shannon Malloy has gone within three months. Tim, you're probably best position to, to comment on this since you started Mumbrello back in the day. What is going on? Well, I'm ashamed to say my sources were so poor on this one that the first I knew of it was when I read it in the AFR this morning. So I, I can't claim too much of an inside track. But yes, as uh, my, <laughs> my, my, my text messages have been amusingly hot over the last hour or so as everybody sort of, you know, former Mumbrella staff, existing Mumbrella staff, everybody kind of, uh, you know, reacts to this, this, this unexpected news. And it was unexpected news. Um, you know, to uh, uh, to 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 really uh, ruin the uh, the quote from Oscar Wilde to to lose three editors does look like carelessness rather than just misfortune. Um, I I personally thought Shannon was doing quite a good job, so he he had literally was just about to come within that three month period. Now. I'm far enough from Umbrella, I don't even know whether they have probationary periods of three months or six months anymore. Um, but, but yeah, the timing certainly seemed to reach that point when on one, one hand, it's easier for a, 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 an employer to ask someone to go. But on the other hand, it's also easier for someone to go on, on, on short notice. So I, I don't know which way around it was. Um, perhaps the biggest compliment I can give is that as a competitor, I'm glad he's gone because um, the headlines had got sharper, the intros had got sharper, the sort of general presentations. So, just that sort of, you know, those those, those skills were there. Um, I think I'd seen a few times some quite challenging pieces written about, um, you know, people who might also be advertisers with Mumbrella, which was, hey, you know, my day was that that was part of it. You know, you'd you'd write challenging stuff and then you'd have to kind of navigate that relationship um there's a line in the australian financial review as it, it, it finishes a report um it says 
It appears their return to editorial content, which relies on provocative and often critical stories of the industry and people it runs events for, is proving challenging. So I, I, I think that might be what they're hinting at there. But, um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I, um, in our very, very small pond of trade press media, um, an unexpected moment to start the week. I mean, it's such a balance, isn't it, when you've got audience and advertisers? Look, it is. And in the end, the only way you can navigate things is, are we doing our best to tell it like it is? And that's what your readers need to trust you to do. Well, that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And Sergio will be back tomorrow with Tuesdata, looking at the advertising output of the gambling ad sector as tighter regulation looms. That will be for our paying members only. Don't forget, if you want to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. There's also just one week left to get your early bird tickets for our retail media conference in Sydney, Remade. Go to remade.net.au to save $108 on your ticket price. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pet. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.